preach our father all the way from the city of Aquaibum. Help me as you receive him to the microphone, Reverend Dr. Abel Damina. Thank you, sir. Glory. Morning, everybody. Father, we rejoice that we have found in you, complete in you, the head of all principalities and powers. And we thank you for the privilege to study and to fellowship in the light of your word. The entrance of your word giveth light and it giveth understanding to the simple. Our hearts are ready. Our minds are excited and we rejoice that by the end of this service, your people are built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus is glorified. Thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' precious name, is a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the word. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle. To do the word, I do the word naturally. Therefore, today I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up by the end of this service. I will never be the same, never ever be the same again in Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Can we give the Lord a praise in the building? Glory. Amen. You can be seated with your sweet smart self this morning. Once again, so good to be with us here at the Refined People's Assembly. So good to be with Pastor Daddy Ken and the leadership of this house. And every one of you, men and women of God, we love you. It's been amazing and wonderful just being with you these few days of fellowship and learning and growing. Has somebody been blessed in this conference? If you've been blessed, can I have a good amen? Amen. All right, so we started this morning with some serious praying that's very critical in ministry. Uh, the book of Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse number 15. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse number 15. Brother Paul writes a letter to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth rightly dividing the word of truth the word study there is not english the word study there is the word spudazo it implies diligence be zealous all right be zealous to show yourself approved be diligent to show yourself so the word study there is not the english study it's a bible word be diligent, be zealous to show yourself approved unto God or make an intense effort. Make an intense effort. It was translated as the word diligence or diligent and we can see how it is applied in scripture. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. Brother Paul says to Timothy, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Do thy diligence to come shortly is the word study. That same word study. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 21. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 21. Do thy diligence to come before winter. You be lost, greeted thee, and 
Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brethren. You will also see the word diligent applied in Titus chapter 3 verse number 12. Titus chapter 3 verse number 12. When I shall send Artemis unto thee or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. So that word study is the word diligent. Diligence, pudazo, diligent to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, to understand what Paul was instructing Timothy to be diligent about or to study, it's important to see the context of the text. The context of the text. So, Second Timothy chapter two, verse number fourteen. Second Timothy chapter two, verse number. 14 of these things put them in remembrance charging them before the lord that they strive not about words to no profit but to the subverting of the hearers so paul was instructing timothy the pastor of the church at ephesus of his duty in the midst of wrong doctrine in the midst of wrong teaching in the midst of all kinds of noise, the cacophony of noise going on around, he was instructing Timothy, a pastor, a bishop, an overseer of the churches, to teach in order to prevent the subverting of the hearers. Teach sound doctrine so that those hearing you will not be subverted. So that those that are hearing you will not have itching ears. So that those that are hearing you will not develop an unhealthy appetite. So that those that are hearing you will not be swayed and blown about and driven about and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And the only way to ensure that that does not happen is if you are diligent to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that does not need to be ashamed. But the only way to be free from being ashamed is by that diligence you arrive at rightly dividing the word of truth that means a man of god that cannot rightly divide the word of truth will be a victim of shame in his life if you don't want to be ashamed you better bend down and settle down to 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 be diligent about sound doctrine to be diligent about rightly dividing the word of truth because friends i'm telling you the light is shining men are coming to the knowledge of the truth it's no more business as usual Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 16. Brother Paul now is still talking to Timothy and he says, But shown profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Profane, vain babblings. Talk that does not produce the revelation of Christ. Just talk, talk, talk. Nice talk, sweet talk. Motivation. All that, it will increase unto more ungodliness. Shun it. Keep the mouth of those that are teaching those things shut up. Keep them quiet. Paul instructed him to shun profane and vain babblings. In other words, the way to shun profane and vain babblings is by being diligent, is by making intense effort to show thyself approved to show thyself approved the word approved relates to something that has been proven 
something that has been tested and tried tested and tried over time you will see the use of that word in romans chapter 14 verse 18 romans chapter 14 verse 18 the word approved for he that in this thing serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of man. You will see it also used in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19. He says, for there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So what we've read is referring to those who are tested and proven to be true. Tested and proven over time. Second Corinthians 10 18. Second Corinthians 10 18. A lot of scriptures, but good for your health. Second Corinthians 10 18. For not he that commended himself is approved, but whom the Lord commended, approved. Second Corinthians 13 verse 7. Second Corinthians 13 verse number 7. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. We be as reprobates. We are not reprobates, but they make us look like reprobates, even though we are approving ourselves in diligence to sound doctrine. James chapter 1 verse 12. James chapter 1 verse number 12. Blessed is the man which that endured temptation. For when he is tried, that same word approved. We're doing exegesis, right? That same word approved. Study, diligence, make intense effort to show yourself approved, tested, tried over time. Approved, tested, tried over time. In other words, from what we just read, the word approved will imply to be proven as true. And then there's another word, to show thyself. To show thyself. The word show implies to exhibit. To exhibit. It is used in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You present. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. The word present was translated from the Greek same Greek word which is as seen it implies to exhibit or to display to show to show yourself to exhibit yourself to display yourself to display yourself okay in other words to present exhibit you display your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God you will also see the use of that same word in Romans 6.13. Romans chapter 6 verse number 13. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. 
So the word yield, the word yield was translated from the same Greek word. It actually means to exhibit or display, to show, to yield. Okay, I hope you remember we're doing exegesis on 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And if we're doing school of ministry, it's critical we understand some of these things that I'm sharing right now. So, the word yield is to exhibit or display. You will see it again using Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6.19 I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Even so, now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now Paul is simply implying in the scriptures we read that the believer ought to display his or her body as an instrument of righteousness. In other words, the believer's body is already an instrument of righteousness. So display it. You are not going to be an instrument of righteousness. You are already an instrument of righteousness. So to present or to yield means display who you are. Display who you are. Yield. Display who you are. So from what we have read, the word present is to show a state of being. A state of being what is or what already exists a state of being so second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 can also be reread as be diligent to show thyself to display yourself or make every effort to exhibit yourself as the one that is proven and tested to be true of God. Is it clear? Yeah, that's what Paul was saying. That's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Show yourself, display, exhibit yourself as one that has been tested to be true and proven of God. That's what Paul was saying to Timothy. Now, there's another word, the word workman. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Workman. The word workman in 2 Timothy 2.15 was translated from a Greek word which implies a laborer. A laborer. Workman. Laborer. Or a worker. Or a teacher. A workman. A laborer. A teacher. Now let's observe a few scriptures that gives credence to that in a corroboration. Matthew chapter 9 verse 37 and 38. Then saith he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We do not have a harvest problem. We have a laborers problem. Look at the streets of Bielsa. The harvest is all over. But there are only few laborers to labor in this massive harvest. There's no, lab, there's no harvest problem. 
Do not say there are yet four moons. The, the fields are white. Harvest is everywhere. There's no scarcity of harvest. There's only scarcity of laborers. And of course, there'll be scarcity of laborers if a pastor is not doing his work. <laughs> if a pastor is not doing his work, there'll be scarcity of laborers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Do your work. It's not telling your members, go for evangelism, go for evangelism, go for... That's not the work. You can sing to go for evangelism till you die. Nobody will go. It is what you have injected people with that controls what they do. Is what injection have you put inside that controls what they do? <laughs> they just find themselves doing it without having a reason why they are doing it because there is an injection working inside. It is what you are teaching them that will produce the fruit. The fruit of a man's ministry will be seen in the men under him. The fruit of your ministry will be the men you are raising. What kind of men are you raising? Are they people that are afraid of prayer? Check what you are teaching them. Are they people that do not go for evangelism? Check the content of your message. Are they people that are lazy about spiritual things? Check what you are injecting them with. Are they people that are stingy? They don't like giving? Check what you are feeding them with. Whatever you inject your members with is the fruit they will produce for you. And don't be angry over a people whom you have not given the right injection to. Seller. This morning I'm not doing why things happen the way they happen. It's tomorrow we will continue. I'm dealing with ministry this morning. Intense effort. Laborers are few. Then he says, pray ye therefore. Pray ye therefore. Watch what the prayer is to be. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, the master of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The word send forth, another translation says that he will push out. When you pray to the Lord of the harvest, he will push out people. He will force them out to the harvest field. That he will send forth, that he will push out laborers. So, the word laborer is the word workman. Is It's the same word for the shepherd of the flock. The shepherd of the flock is a laborer. Matthew 10, 10. Matthew 10, 10. Nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor your staves. For the workman is worthy of his meat. The workman. The word meat there is not suya. The word meat there is salary. So you don't go and buy meat and bring for your pastor. First Timothy 5.18 
For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treaded out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Laborer. Laborer. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. A laborer that needed not to... So the word reward... Reward in that scripture implies wages. The laborer is under employment as one in a profession. And Jesus illustrated the parable of the laborer in Matthew chapter 20 verse 1. Matthew 21, 2 and 8. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a house builder, householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Verse 8. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his stewards, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. So a laborer, just like we read, is one who carries out a walk in a vineyard or in a field. And if a laborer labors, he deserves a salary. He deserves a payment. A laborer. But he has to be a laborer first. Luke 10, 7. Luke chapter 10, verse 7. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give you. Or as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Acts 19.25 Glory. Whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation. And said, sirs, you know that by this craft we have our wealth. By this craft. So if a pastor is laboring tediously over his members, it is their responsibility to pay him. A church that do not pay their pastor, they are dishonoring the gift of grace. And no church in dishonor gets blessed. No church in dishonor gets blessed. Jesus went to his hometown and could not be of any blessing to his people because they dishonored him. No man gets blessed in dishonor. But a man in honor will always receive from God. See, honor is an attitude of receiving. It's not an attitude of God giving. Rather, it's an attitude that enables you to receive what God has already given. It's attitude. Once you are in honor, you have created an enabling attitude that enables you to take from and take off what God has already given. We are not bribing because that is not the basis on which God gave. God already gave. So in our giving, we are 
positioning ourselves to take of what God has already given. I'm teaching good. A man in dishonor remains the same. Nothing will change. You'll be in church shouting and screaming and clapping and you are in, nothing is changing. Because you're in dishonor. Once you find out that you're under a world ministry that is genuine and your life is not changing, do an honor check. Once you find out that you're under a valid ministry of the word of God and your life is not changing, do an honor check. You may be in dishonor in your speech. You may be in dishonor in your attitude. You may be in dishonor in your behavior. You may be in dishonor in your manner of relating. Or you may be in dishonor in your value system. Once you find out that you're under a valid, genuine word ministry and your life is not changing, carry out an honor check. Because the word of God never fails. God confirms his word. The only reason why a man will not change under a genuine word ministry is dishonor. Maybe you have become, you are playing the familiarity card. Maybe you are playing the familiarity card. Because honor will always receive from God. Always. Honor will always, always. <laughs> how, do you, how, how do you explain this? Jesus looks at a woman and says, We will not give the children's bread to dogs. Your pastor call you dog. Social media will break now. And he called himself a man of God. He called me dog. Jesus said you are a dog. The woman said, yea Lord, I am a dog. If it came out of your mouth, that's exactly what I must have been. But sir, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Instead of getting offended, she stayed in honor. She never walked out of honor. Irrespective of what Jesus said, she will not move out of honor. Jesus said, eh, I've never seen this kind of faith, not even in Israel. She was too much in honor not to be blessed. She was too much in honor not to be blessed. I'm a dog. Yes, Lord. No argument, no debate. I may not, it may not make sense to my understanding, but you are better than me. So if from your analysis, what you can say of me is that I'm a dog, you must be correct. So I agree I'm a dog, but sir, in my town, we see dogs eating crumbs that fall from the table. So since I'm not qualified for the table, let me eat the crumbs because the woman understood that if there is butter in the bread, there is butter in the crumbs. If there is flour in the bread, there is flour in the crumbs. So whatever is in the bread is in the crumbs. And you can't deny me the crumbs because it is dogs that eat crumbs. Jesus said, I've never seen this kind of faith. 
No, not even in Israel. Aaron will have been the inheritor of Moses' mantle. Aaron, God told Moses, Ho ha. You will be a God to Aaron. Aaron will be your prophet. God emphatically instructed Moses and Aaron on their ministerial responsibilities. You will be a God unto Aaron. Aaron will be your prophet. Aaron teamed up with Miriam and entered dishonor. There are people that will be talking to you in church. If you give your ear, they will puncture your honor system. Every human being is a product of influence. There's no man that cannot be influenced. I'm not joking. All of you today, you are what you are because you're influenced. Somebody say, nobody can influence me. Even that statement you are making came from an influence. The way you write is influenced. You saw somebody when you were a baby write like that. So the day you started writing, you copied it. There's nobody that is just original. Everybody copied somebody. That is how life was designed. Am I communicating at all? So since human beings are products of influence, mind who you hang around. You can never be too careful to be influenced. See, if somebody brings a gossip to you, even if you don't agree with the gossip, for the mere fact that you gave him your ear to put it inside, it has affected you. There's no way you will hear gossip and be the same. There's no way. Once you lend your ears, something will enter. And in your unguarded moments, you will consider it. So the best approach is to avoid it. I have something to tell you. Is it about prayer or fasting? If it's not, I'm not interested. I'm so busy right now. Because every human being is a product of influence. And it is too expensive to be in dishonor. Too expensive. <laughs> too expensive. Miran and Aaron took sides and began to say, is it only Moses that God talks to? Is it only Moses? That... What did Moses do? He went to Dubai for vacation. On his way back from Dubai, he joined Ethiopian Airlines. Somehow, somehow, when you join Ethiopian Airlines, they will first of all touch down in Addis Ababa before they fly you to your destination. So while in Addis, the waiting time was long and he sighted a babe from Ethiopia and then somehow, somehow, he managed to carry her along. He married an Ethiopian woman. There's a law among Jews that you never marry out of the Jewish people. It's a law. Now Moses, a prophet of God, who should protect the Jewish law, travel and brought an Ethiopian babe as a wife. Miriam and Arians, I mean Aaron and Miriam said, "What? Is he the only one that God talks to?" Moses, how dare you? Are you the only one that God talks to? How dare you break the law? 
while they were challenging Moses. God said, uh-uh. When? Aaron, didn't I tell you that Moses will be a God to you? Do you challenge God? <laughs> you, Miriam, you even put mouth. <laughs> Leprosy. Now wait, it's not God that gave her leprosy. Leprosy was the repercussion of her action. The only part that God played was mercy. Okay, let her be out for seven days and then the leprosy will be cleansed. And because of that, Aaron never inherited Moses' ministry. He was removed. Because that kind of person cannot be faithful with a ministry. Joshua replaced him. Joshua was not the one on the radar. It was Aaron. But Aaron was kicked out. Joshua replaced Aaron. When Moses died, Joshua took over. Dishonor is costly. Dishonor can deprive you the blessing, can deprive you everything that you're supposed to enjoy in Christ. Dishonor. Dishonor. You want to be blessed? Stay in honor. Glory to God. I'm teaching good this morning. Stay in honor. Stay in honor. Honor your pastor. Honor his labor. Honor the house. If there are things happening in church you don't understand, don't discuss it with anybody. Get on your knees and pray in the spirit. Don't discuss it. Refuse your house to be used as a center of discussing pastor or church. Reject it. Honor is critical. Because you'll be the one cheated. You will be the one cheated. Because you will lack the ability to receive. Even when pastor is saying receive, receive, you're saying amen, amen. It's not amen that receives. Is honor that receives. You can shout amen until your mouth becomes amenized. It will not come. There are people that don't say amen and the impact is seen on them. And there are people that shout amen more than everybody and nothing is seen on them. So it's not in the amening. It's in the honor. Sekotabaya. Teaching good? If you don't understand what's going on in your church, your responsibility is to pray. And if you pray sincerely, prayer will fix things. Prayer will fix it. And not the gossiping prayer. 
brother come i want us to pray you know in recent times you see what has been happening in church you know the other day the other sister did this the other brother i want us to pray but you see the other brother the other sister that's not prayer you eventually brought the gossip that you're not supposed to bring in the name of generating prayer points if you say brother let's discuss the prayer point tell him there are no prayer points praying always with all prayer and supplication where in the spirit so since you're worried about something let's pray praise god brother you can go god bless you it is taken care of i'm not interested in the details let me tell you something never discuss with anybody any issue in the church about the church around the church that the person does not have the power to do something about it anybody you talk to about church that can do nothing about it you only gossip with him Anybody you discuss church with that can do nothing about it, you only gossiped. The only person you can discuss church, ministry, your pastor with, is the person that can do something about it. And in this church, the person that can do something about your pastor and this church is me. Is me. So if you are worried about it, travel to you. Pay hotel. Book appointment. And wait for me. When I sit down, you sit down and say it the way you want to say it. Because I'm the only person that can call your pastor to order. Anybody else outside me, you are gossiping. You are gossiping. And gossip is a sin. Gossip is a sin. Gossip is a sin. If there's something you don't understand in your church, Uyo is not far. It's not from Uyo I came. And I'll go back. It's not far. You don't need visa. If you buy ticket, it's by choice. You can even take a vacation. Yeah. I mean, wonderful place. We even have cinema there. We have fast food joints there. You can chill. Come. Me, I'm available. I'm not unreachable. I am very reachable. I am there. Just come. Enter my office. Dr. Gabriel will be there. You'll see him. Say, I'm from Yonegua. You are the one that led us in prayer that day. I want to see Papa. Dr. Gabriel will say, Papa, come. He will bring you. Oh, Daddy! Ke- oh, praise God! God bless you. So glad to have you here. Uh, so, how can we help you? Uh, Pastor Daddy Ke looked at me like this last Sunday. So I came to report him. Hey, look at you like this. Wonderful. Let's look. F- what does the Bible say about like this? When we have done exegesis, I will carry my phone in your presence. Deacon, my papa, sir, one of your sons or daughters is here. Don't be doing like this. (laughs) Don't be doing like this. Do you understand? Uh, Papa, what is like this? Like this now. (laughs) Not you do. (laughs) Praise God. I'm teaching good this morning. 
You want to build a healthy church. You want to build a big church. You want to build a strong church. You want to build a church that your children can also grow in. You want to build a church that your children's children can grow in and learn Christ. That's the way to build it. That's the way to build it. You stay in honor. You walk in honor. Because you are enjoying the labor of a man. And the labor of that man can only bless you when you are in honor. Glory to God. I say glory to God. Luke 13, 27. Laborer, workman. One who has been given a tax to discharge. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not. Whence you are, depart from me. Only workers, so there are workers of iniquity. Second Corinthians 11.13 For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. So, there are workers of iniquity, there are deceitful workers. In other words, Workers of iniquity are employed by evil or given a tax by evil. Fear not. Amen. Therefore, a laborer in the vineyard is one who handles the word of truth. One who handles the word of truth. In other words, a laborer answers to God. Answers to God. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Your pastor does not answer to you. Your pastor answers to God. And he said, even if he falls, God is able to make him stand. Yeah. Who are you to judge another man's servant? If he falls, he falls to the one who called him. And the one who called him is able to make him stand. When you understand that, you will never be in dishonor. You will always be in honor. You will always receive. Because the essence of ministry is to make you better. And what I'm showing you is how you can enjoy ministry and be better. Teaching good? Yeah. Oh, yes. And let me tell you, when you're in dishonor, even Bible, you won't understand it. You'll be reading Bible and be seeing Greek and Latin where they don't exist. Because you're in dishonor. Dishonor pollutes you. Dishonor corrupts you. Dishonor contaminates you. It, it, it pollutes. Dishonor smells. It stinks. And let me tell you, dishonor is not just your pastor. You also honor brethren. Honor is a culture. You honor the man of God. You honor leaders in the church. You honor the brethren. 
You honor everyone that is called by the name of God. You live in honor. You are an honorable person. You honor the word. You honor the ministry that you are fed from. You just live in honor. Because that's the way to receive from the ministry of the word. Praise God. I said praise God. Now, the word laborer who answers to God because he's hired by God or given a tax by God. This implies therefore that a Bible teacher must be painstaking in his approach to biblical concepts. Painstaking in his approach of biblical subjects. He must provide proper answers. Not making assumptions in handling subject matters. It's very imperative that the laborer, the workman, under obligation, he is under obligation to teach and explain scriptures. The laborer is under an obligation to teach and explain scripture painstakingly. The labor of ministry is serious labor. An American preacher said they did an analysis on the one hour of a pastor's teaching on Sunday. And they discovered scientifically that one hour of a pastor's teaching on Sunday is equivalent to seven hours of hard labor physically. One hour of a pastor's teaching on a Sunday is equivalent to seven hours of hard labor. That's why pastors, after Sunday service, you get tired, you can't explain. Because it's strenuous. Very strenuous. And a pastor that does not understand how to manage himself can grow very old within a few years. Because the more we preach, the more death is working in us the more life is working in you. We die so you live. That's ministry. I heard you this morning. We have the sentence of death. We are dying to make you live. That's ministry. We deprive ourselves. We deny ourselves. And in our self-denial, we supply you life. That's what Paul will say. If we have ministered to you in spiritual, is it a sin for us to collect your, your carnal things? Is it too much? Is it too much to collect of your carnal resources? What is carnal compared to spiritual? Glory to God. I'm blessing you this morning. Yes, sir. A pastor must painstakingly take the time. Painstakingly. No rush. We take our time. That's why churches that have teaching 15 minutes is a useless church. Very useless. Very, very useless church. Teaching for 15 minutes. Are you teaching goats? Even goats, you can't teach them in 15 minutes. You see, we have seven services. Teaching 15 minutes, praise worship 10 minutes, offering 10 minutes, another praise worship 10 minutes. So praise worship 25 minutes, teaching 15 minutes. 
That's not a church. That's not a church. Excuse me, that's not a church. Quote me anywhere. Who are you learning it from? Jesus taught unbelievers for three days. When he was going to teach believers, it's 40 days. 40. Because the church is a school where our culture is learning. So when you are coming, you come with the attitude of a student. It, 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 is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is a sign of lack of manners for you to come to church without a notebook and a pen. You lack manners. It means they know raise you up well. You come church, no pen, no paper. What do you carry come? Why are you in church? That's why it is easy for false prophets to deceive you. Because even your attitude is mumushious. You are not diligent in learning. See, making notes is part of doctrine. I have, I have a, how many hours? Three, four hours of teaching on Bible instruction on making notes. Writing is part of doctrine. It's part of Bible culture for church members to write while the pastor is teaching. It's Bible culture. Even in secular subjects, eh? secular subjects, like what, like taking care of animals, they don't do lecture for less than one hour. Taking care of animals. Part time. Sometimes two hours. Three hours. And you do it for four years. Taking care of animals. Veterinary science. Seven years. Learning how to take care of goats, dogs, cow, chicken. Seven years of intensive learning. Then to pastor people that will go to heaven. Fifteen minutes. You are a joke. You're a joke. There's intensity because we are raising an army. There's intensity. You yourself must make up your mind that I'm committed to learning. It may not be exciting. No school is exciting. Once children discover holiday will be over next week, they start frowning. <laughs> Nobody is excited about school resuming. True or false? That's how you should be in church. Bible says, no discipline of the present is pleasant. But afterwards, when you are learning, it's not sweet. But afterwards, if I didn't learn, you think I'll be talking to you? If I no go to school, I won't be talking to you. The reason why today I'm talking to you like this is because me too, like you're sitting now, I had to sit like that for years to learn what I am teaching you now. I have paid my dues. You are now paying your own. One day you too will be teaching somebody who will pay his own dues. That's the way life is designed. It's labor. 
And I'm talking about sound Bible teaching. Not cliches. Serious exigencies. I don't know if you remember the first day I told you. If a preacher does not rightly divide the word, what is he preaching? Huh? A lie. The truth of scriptures only arrived at when scriptures are rightly divided. You see the kind of thing I'm doing this morning? I'm doing exegesis. That's what I've been doing since I came. It's exegesis. Nothing is coming from my assumption. Nothing is coming from I think. Everything I'm showing you, scripture upon scripture, even the explanation, I use scripture to explain the biblical terms. It's exegesis. It's labor. It's labor. That's the way people are built. And that's the way people are established in sound doctrine so that they can stand anywhere and be what God wants them to be. Pastors in this place, men of God in this place, ministers in this place, and members of the refined assembly, uh, refined people's assembly, we have a huge responsibility ahead of us. And it's not fun fair that will get it done. So a laborer, a teacher, must show that he is discharging his duties well with very detailed and proper explanation on every subject matter of scripture. Now, how can you do this work? How is this done? How can I properly explain scriptural concepts? How can I be thorough? How can I be sound in explaining biblical concepts? By rightly dividing the word of truth. The word rightly dividing is the word ototomio. O-R-T-H-O-T-O-M-E-O. Ototomio. Was translated from a compound word which can be found in Proverbs 3.6. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Ototomio is the directing of your path. That is to direct your path in Bible teaching to arrive at the truth of scripture. Proverbs 11.5 The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. But the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Now, listen carefully. The word has a background understanding of having to navigate in the midst of something. Miners use the word autotomio. Miners do not innovate minerals. Miners excavate minerals. In Bible teaching, we do not innovate. We excavate what is already there. Which means in Bible teaching, your experiences are useless. Your nuances are useless. Your stories are useless. You don't bring anything to it. You come to the Bible with nothing and excavate what is there. That's Bible teaching. That's what Otomio is. It's like, it's like medical doctors. A medical doctor goes through school for seven years. Finally, he graduates to, 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 to be able to operate. So, when they are going to operate on somebody to take out a particular disease, they must be so skilled 
in cutting out what they need to cut out without cutting part of what is good is kill cut it out without injury And cover the person. That skill takes years to develop. The same way. In cutting through scripture. A man of God must be so skilled. To cut out what is not needed. To cut in what is needed so people are fed with what is needed. That already tells you that not everything in the Bible is for your consumption. There are things that are not for your consumption and there are things that are for your consumption and they are mixed together. So a minister way through that is why it is directing your part in what to cut. In what to cut? As newborn babes desire what? So if there is sincere, means there is insincere milk. Because if it was not qualified, it would just be desire milk. Desire milk. Is it milk or miliki? <laughs> desire miliki. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> As newborn babes, desire miliki. No. Desire sincere milk. Why? Because there is insincere milk. How do I know I'm feeding on sincere milk? I am growing. How do I know what I'm feeding on is not sincere? I am not growing. Insincere milk never grows a man. It is sincere milk of the world that grows a man. Rightly divide. We excavate. And we excavate skillfully. That's why if a scripture is not rightly divided, what the preacher is preaching is a lie. Because the truth of scripture can only be arrived at when it is rightly divided. And that's why as a believer, when you find yourself in a local assembly... Where the word of God is rightly divided, you stay there with your hand and leg faithfully because there are not too many around. You stay there with gratitude. And you know, I've said it many times a congregation deserves the kind of pastor they have. Yes. If it's a Wayo man, that's what you deserve. It's a genuine man of God. That's what you deserve. Because you'll be attracted to what is inside you. If what is inside you is deceit, deceitful preachers will attract you. Are you with me here? Heal about that I will soon close. (laughs) 
thousand clothes. I know I have dropped something this morning. <laughs> Tomorrow is going to be glorious. Tomorrow here, ta-la, ta-ta. It's going to be glorious tomorrow. Both services, first and second service. If you're a pastor, look for a way to package your church, bless them, sharp, sharp, come join us. You know, just come join us. You know, go spoiled. If you miss church for one Sunday, you know, go close down. Except you're not sure of what you were doing there before. <laughs> pastor Ko came to my hotel this morning and said, I was to go to Oyo today, but I'm not going again. What happened? going to do there. I'll, today I'll eat tomorrow, then I'll go home. If something spoils, what I have eaten will help me fix it. <laughs> Pastor Fred flew all the way from Mina, Niger State. Say, ah, uh-uh, food day here, Moku Conchop. I'm here. He flew in by himself. Let's come and be part of this. Pastor Philemon is here. His church is in Calabar. Dr. Gabriel is with me here. Two of us are here. Power City is there. Let them be doing their own. We're doing our own here. God ahead again. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> okay, Pastor, God's power is here. Power is here. <laughs> God's power is here. No, I'm not setting you up. <laughs> I wasn't setting you up. <laughs> it's because you didn't say anything. So I, I spoke about those. <laughs> I spoke about those who spoke. <laughs> Without putting you in the spot. <laughs> Glory! Glory! You know, when, you, when, when the word of God flows, your heart is full of joy. I'm telling you. Nothing is sweet like the word of God. Believe me. Nothing is. The other day we were in my hotel room after the service, right? Two days ago. Till about one o'clock. You went home. All of them came to my hotel room. We converged. We continued Bible study. We continued Bible study till about 1 a.m. Because uh, uh, the word of God is sweet. Except you're not getting the right word. It's sweeter than honey. Yeah. Your spirit will enjoy the sweetness. Your body may be tired. But your spirit will be jumping. Because your body, you know, is mortality. Word of God is sweet. Oh, you're going, we're, we're going to have a blast here. Both services. And the reason why I want to stop now is because I want to answer the questions that may be there. That's why I want to stop now. So I can answer some questions. So if you have a question, you should be writing by now, if you have not written. But I know you've been writing since day one. <laughs> You'll love to answer them. Don't ask me what's the purpose of a mosquito. The purpose of a mosquito is to produce malaria. (laughs) Glory! Are you blessed this morning? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Very critical in ministry. A minister of the gospel must be able to rightly divide the word of truth. And you know as a child of God, you should also be able to know when the word of truth is rightly divided. That will keep you from eating poison. 
So important. What time is our service tomorrow? 8 o'clock, first service. Second service, 10 o'clock. We're going to have a blast. Praise God. Blessed? Lift your right hand and say, in the name of Jesus, I receive from the Holy Ghost, from the ministry of the Spirit, I receive from the ministry of righteousness, instructions to stay in honor. I am committed to staying in honor. Honor for the labor of God's word over my life. Honor for the gift of God in my life. Honor for the ministry that the Lord Jesus has given to me. And honor for the people of God in my fellowship. I will live a life of honor. Honor will be the culture of my life. I refuse dishonor in the name of Jesus. I didn't hear a good amen. Are you blessed this morning? You can be seated. Let me answer questions. You have a question. You know, um, if you have written it, you know, somebody will read it for us and I will answer quickly. Before we go. And if the online people have questions, the brethren in the technical department, the internet people check if there are questions online write them out on a paper send them to us so that we make sure the online people are not left out because they may have some questions to ask from yesterday and the day before yesterday and even this morning okay. yeah so if you have a question power you can get the questions from them and then those online you can drop it on the page so that we can answer it from here just write you have a question Attending ministry, like just mm-hmm. write the things you've heard. This well, is time to get clarity for yourself. Yeah, you have some? Yes, sir. Let's start with what you have. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. If the father and the mother were accidentally dull, which has affected the child from procreation, does that mean that a child can be intelligent in the future? That's the question, sir. Well, that becomes a choice of that child. It becomes that child's choice. And the choice will have to be with self-discipline. The child will have to give to himself, himself to extra learning, extra study, and hang around intelligent people. Because everybody is a product of influence. When I was in primary school, there was one girl, they call her patience. I can never forget that girl. She used to sit Two of us used to sit together. That girl can dismantle mathematics as if she's the author of mathematics. And I was a pro in English. So she was dealing with me in mathematics. I was dealing with her in English. So we became friends. So she would teach me math. I would teach her English. Okay? I succeeded in teaching her English, but she didn't succeed in teaching me math. Till today, I don't know mass. I only know additional mass for counting my money. One, two, three, four, five, hundred naira, two hundred thousand. <laughs> that one, I don't need school. I don't. Need, I only need interest in counting money. I will count it. But she never succeeded. But we hung out. I was always with her, and we were leading our class, both of us. I didn't make friends with dummies because they were of no contribution to me. Dummies, I'll be stealing answer. It's not attractive. I hung out with people that when they ask questions in class, their hand is always up. 
so that we can share and some of them their parents had money to employ teachers for extra classes my father didn't have that kind of money so they became my own teacher for extra classes i walked my way through so if you come from a family where your parents were all dull okay because their ancestors were dull you can break the circle by deciding to be intelligent and hang around people that are intelligent so they can influence you to develop attitudes that makes you intelligent and you can be the beginning of that for your own children is it clear next question thank you sir so why was Cain not mentioned in the descendants of adam is it that Cain was not the offspring of adam or worth this guy is so intelligent tomorrow that's what i'm going to be answering because the name of Cain was missing in the genealogy and the name of Abel was missing. I'm going to answer tomorrow, but in case I don't have the time to answer it tomorrow, the reason why Cain and Abel never appeared in the genealogy of Adam was because none of them procreated. None of them procreated. The people that are part of the genealogy are those with a procreation. Abel was killed without a wife and child. Cain went off. Nobody knows where he went to. So that's why they were not listed. But tomorrow I'm going to push it in the course of teaching. Yes. Thank you, sir. Where was God before creation? You are asking me back my question that I asked you. <laughs> Where was God before creation? You know, in the beginning, God created. So if God created, it means there was a day when God created heaven and earth. For him to have created heaven and earth means he was somewhere before creating. Hmm? So Paul tells us that God is the, is the immortality that dwelleth in unapproachable light, which no man has ever seen nor will ever see. So where was God? He was in light. Unapproachable. Then he created heaven and earth. Then he created man. And now man became his dwelling place. Is it clear? However, if you really want proper exegesis on that question, you need to order my In Christ Reality Season 3. It's about 47 to 50 hours of teaching. Some of it was 2 hours, some 1 hour 30 minutes. You know, that the extra minutes is not part of the 47. Those 30 minutes, 45, 20, 30, is not part of the 47. The 47 is the number of days. But it will change your entire life. That series is brutal. We just finished it this February. In Christ. But I advise you, if you want to listen to In Christ is in 3, you must listen to In Christ is in 2. You must listen to in crisis in one. Otherwise, you could be hanging. So, get the in Christ series. It will help you. It's going to be about 100 and something hours of teaching. Next question. Thank you, sir. Good morning, sir. Please explain the shadow of the book of Moses and Psalms. Prophecy, parables of Jesus. Thanks. That is, you are telling me to teach you for three years. That's three years. All right. Types, shadows is Moses' mode of communication. Parable is Jesus' mode of communication. That's how they communicated. 
Why did they communicate like that? Because of their audience. Okay, Moses had to use types and shadows, symbols, figures of speech, because he was talking to people that were not born again. For example, Moses would say there were two trees in the garden. There was no tree in the garden. Adam ate nothing. I've taught you that before. But that's the only way they could understand it. Even Moses himself, that's the only way he could understand Because sin is too deep. Sin is too deep for God to explain to Moses in his state. So the only way God could communicate to Moses was 3-3. But now when you come to the New Testament where we have the spirit of God, we now have the word sin. Because sin can now be explained to the man that is born again. So that's why they use that mode of communication. Now what's a parable? A parable is a word parabole. It's a mode of communication that has facts, fictions, and a lesson. So in every parable there are facts, fictions, and a lesson. Don't take the fact, don't take the fiction, only take the lesson. So parables are not literal because they're a mode of communicating. And that's what Jesus used. So Jesus will now say, I could not, he says, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear it. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, the things I couldn't say to you, I will say it at that time. Okay, so that's just a little I can do for you. But if you want full exegesis on that, you will have to get my teaching on old and new covenant in Christ. You will have to get my teaching on the law and the prophets, season one, season two then you need to get my teachings on in Christ. If you combine all of that, you will have some understanding of types, shadows, parables. Because all that is demystified in those teachings. Thank you, sir. Please, sir, I need you to help me throw more light on Genesis 2 verse 5. Put it up on the screen, Genesis chapter 2 verse 5. While they are putting on the screen, you can read the next question. So thanks for this teaching. Okay, they just put it up. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Now remember, Moses was writing Genesis from after the effect. Moses didn't write Genesis before Genesis happened. Genesis had finished happening before Moses wrote. So when Moses is saying rain, is because he knew that rain happened at one time. Rain was not part of the plan. But when Moses was now writing with the hind feet understanding, he now said this happened because God had not caused it to rain. That means this is how things were originally before rain fell. Is it clear? It's not like Moses predicted rain. I had no. Moses was not there when Genesis happened. Moses was born in Exodus 2.2. So how did Moses write Genesis? By vision. God opened his eye to a vision and he saw things. And vision is metaphors. So that's why a lot of metaphors. That's the first way. The second way Moses wrote Genesis was from oral tradition. He met with people who met with people that were there. And they gave him gist of what happened. Then based on the gist and the vision put together, he wrote the book of Genesis. Is it clear? So this verse 5 of Genesis 2, Moses is just speaking from after the effect. 
So he will put things that will make it look like rain was part of the plan because now he is holistically looking at all the events and giving you a narration of, of things that happened. Is it clear? So if you want to know whether rain is of God or not, it's Genesis 1 and 2 and you won't find rain there. From chapter 3 is the fall of man. Rain didn't even happen in chapter 3. It didn't happen in chapter 4, 5, 6. It was in chapter 7, the judgment of Noah that rain fell. That's the eighth generation. Which means it was not God's original plan. To show you that rain is not part of God's plan, rain falls and destroys cities. That can't be God. That can't be God. God does not produce things that destroy. There's no destruction in God. Jesus made it clear. The thief cometh not. But for to steal, to kill, so destroys from the thief. The thief is Satan. Next question. Thank you, sir. The Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord. But you said children are not from God. So I need explanation. I said children don't come from heaven. I didn't say children are not from God. When you listen to me, you must listen well. See, when you want to listen to me, clean your ear. Then you can listen. Because I'm going to say things that are technical. And if you're not careful, you can assume what I didn't say. I didn't say children are not from God. I said children are not from heaven. Okay? And I said, it is not God that is responsible for the birth of children. But God created the system and gave man the power to manage it. Eh? So when he said children are a heritage of the Lord, what he's simply saying is that God is the one that set the system for reproduction. However, it is not God that controls reproduction. It is men that control reproduction. That's why you can sleep with a woman and give her pills and remove the pregnancy. Because God is not the one controlling. It is man that is controlling. That's why doctors can remove a baby after three months and throw it away. And that baby will never have the opportunity to be. Because that system is not operated by God. It is operated by men. Clear? I will speak more on babies tomorrow because we have still not finished. You understand? We have not finished. Next question. Thank you, sir. These questions are actually from our online audience. Good. Looking up to this online, uh, yeah. service. Um, the first one has to do with what you said you will clarify tomorrow, which okay. is where do children go when they die? Tomorrow. Okay, sir. The second one is God has given us a choice. There's always a thin line between choice and God convicting and drawing us by his spirit for salvation. I need explanations. Well, very simple. You make the choice, but you don't determine the outcome of the choice. God gives you the power to choose. But all you can do is make the choice, but you do not control the repercussion. So even though you have a free will, it is not really that free. Because you can make the choice, but you do not control the outcome. So when it comes to salvation, God gave you the freedom to choose. And if you choose him, the outcome of your choice will be eternal life. If you reject him and choose Satan, the outcome will be eternal damnation. He tells you about what it is capable of bringing, but it does not influence your choice. He lets you make your choice. Is it clear? I said, is it clear? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, sir. After receiving this type of sound teaching, 
we go back to our churches and hear something different. How do we communicate to our pastor this truth? You really cannot communicate to your pastor because your pastor looks at you like you don't know anything. The only person that can communicate to your pastor is the person he listens to. So what do you do? Pray for that church. If after a while you discover they are contaminating what you are learning, get out of that church. Get out of that church. Sharp, sharp. And look for the pasture where you can feed. There's nobody that is destined to die in a church. Once that church is not making food available for your spiritual nourishment, your time in that church has expired. You move quickly to where you will find pasture. God says, I will bring out my flock from their different congregations and I will give them a pastor according to my heart. And this is how you will know you have a pastor. He will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And how will you know you are fed? It shall come to pass that when you are fed, you will not be afraid. You will not be dismayed and you will not lack. Once you find you are, you are in a church and you are still afraid, it's a wrong church. When you are in the right church, fear goes dismay goes joy comes confidence comes and you enjoy christ is it clear yeah thank you sir yeah. is it true that if you don't pay tithes you will not make progress in life no it's a lie it's actually a fat lie very fat in fact it is so fat that it doesn't fit in anywhere <laughs> it's an afternoon lie I know the person asking must have been tormented in a particular church. <laughs> you know, I, I, I made my stand on Titan many years ago. I have a 13-hour teaching on Titan that takes you from Genesis to Revelation on Titan only with all the proof, with all the scriptures well explained. You, you can order for it, Titan and Titan. We have it in the office. But Titan is not New Testament. In fact, God did not instruct Abraham to pay tithe. When Abraham gave, gave, not paid, gave, he gave tithe to Melchizedek, nobody told him to do it. So where did he get it from? In historical documents, they are there in the public domain. It is proven that in Bible days, before Abraham was born, tithing was like tax. 10%. It was like a taxation system. And it was part of the ways to show gratitude to a deity. To an idol. When an idol has helped you to gain victory, when you come back, you bring 10% of the victory. It was a hidden practice. So Abraham came from idol worship. Okay? So when Abraham went to battle and defeated the enemies that stole Lot, as he was coming back with the background of what they used to do before, he now brought 10% to give to God. God didn't ask him. And before he gave, he was already blessed. 
because the moment he met Melchizedek, Melchizedek, Melchizedek said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High, possessor of the heaven and the earth. So he already blessed him. Then it is in response to the blessing that Abraham said, Take 10%. So you don't pay tight to be blessed. But when God blesses you, you come with gratitude and give to him. Abraham's generosity was 10%. That's how generous he was. 10%. But today we know better. So we don't give 10%. We give generously. Is it clear? Somebody say, but what about under the law? Malachi says, if you don't pay tight, you are cursed with you are cursed with a curse. I just crossed Nigeria into one country like that. You know where I'm talking about? You are cursed with a curse. Ghana. Akwaba. Malachi was talking to the priests. He was not talking to church people. He said, Oh ye priest, hear ye. Because the priests were collecting tight from the people, but they were not paying tight of tight. So they were collecting and eating. They themselves were not doing their own. So Malachi said, all of you priests, you are cursed. He wasn't talking to believers. He was talking to the priest in that day. And Christ has redeemed us. So there's no more curse. No more curse. Whether you give or you don't give, there's no curse. But if you grow in understanding Christ, giving will be natural. So generosity becomes the attitude of a man that is growing spiritually. That's why in the book of Acts, nobody preached tithing to them, but people sold their houses and land and brought everything. Because when Christ comes inside you, it is natural to be generous. For God so loved the world that he gave. If God gave back to you, you will have the attitude of your father. So whether you give or you don't give, it doesn't change God's mind. But if you are a true son that is growing, you will give. Thank you, sir. Sir, what is your view on covering the hair according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 12 to 15. No, it's not my view. What does the Bible teach? <laughs> Do you want me to be immoral? When you ask for my view, you want me to be immoral. What you should be saying is, what does the Bible teach? Put the scripture up for us. Let's look at it. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head, 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 not hair, head, not hair, head. Pay attention. Having his head covered, dishonored his head. Head, go back to verse 3. But I will have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So to cover your head means to cover your husband, not to tie scarf. So he's not teaching about scarf, he's teaching about submission to your husband. You can't be a rebellious woman at home and you're prophesying in church. You're dishonoring your husband. 
Is it clear? Always pay attention. Next question. This is from our online audience. Said, what is the impact of dream on a believer's life? Well, you have to examine dreams in the light of Christ. When you dream, the first thing you ask yourself is, what does the Bible say about this dream? And if you can't find anything in the Bible about it, you trash it. That you dream doesn't mean God is saying something. Dreams come from different sources. It could be that you are thinking about something and the thing has entered your subconscious that you are dreaming. It could be that something is worrying you so much that you start dreaming. It could be you are obsessed about something. Or it could be that you had an experience that impacted you. And you have not gotten over that experience and it is creating pictures for you. So dreams come from different sources. So what do you do with dreams? You subject them to the scrutiny of God's word. If they don't agree with what God said about you, you trash them and stand in faith. It's as easy as that. But also God can speak to you through dreams. Because sometimes dreams can come as word of knowledge, word of wisdom. They can even come as a prophecy via dreams. So again, you have to pay attention. Check carefully and you know, pray about it and think about it. Especially if the dream has some meaning. Not just some useless dream. It has some meaning and you, you, know, you, you, you feel in your spirit that there could be something God is saying. You pray a little about it. And check the scriptures. The Holy Ghost is not the author of confusion. If you really spend a little time to pray and think, the Holy Ghost will give you understanding. Is that clear? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Please, sir, I want you to clear me on this. If what God created is good, then what possessed the serpent to tempt Eve? Well, there was no serpent that tempted Eve. A serpent did not tempt Eve. Serpent is fiction. It's a figure of speech. Okay. The Bible calls Satan the old dragon, the serpent. The old dragon, the serpent. So the person that tempted Eve was, was Satan. So what, 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 what possessed Satan to tempt Eve? Rebellion to God's authority. Satan was not created by God. Because God's creation is in Genesis 1 and 2. And we don't see Satan there. And after then God has not created. So where did Satan surface from? Part of what we shall teach tomorrow. So be here tomorrow so you can. Next question. Thank you sir. Well now they laugh now. (laughs) You people want sharp sharp. No sharp sharp. Yes. If God is both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, why then does Matthew chapter 12, verse 31 says that sin against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven? Because sin against the Holy Spirit is the rejection of the sacrifice of Jesus. When you reject the gospel, you have sinned against the Holy Spirit and you can be forgiven. He that believeth not is condemned. He that believeth is not condemned. So sin against the Holy Spirit is not to laugh at somebody speaking in tongues. Sin against the Holy Spirit is not to laugh, laugh at somebody falling down. All that is not sin. No. Because some people's tongues are really funny. <laughs> People's tongues can make you laugh. And if you make you laugh, laugh. God is not a sadist. <laughs> In the presence of God, a 
exactly. It's for love. Don't be afraid to laugh. If it makes you laugh, laugh. <laughs> that you are laughing doesn't mean you are blaspheming. Blaspheming is the denial and the rejection of the sacrifice of Jesus. And once you reject what Jesus has done, then where will you get forgiveness from? And that's the sin that cannot be forgiven. Unbelief. Next question. Thank you, sir. Sir, I'm in an, an abusive marriage. The case of divorce, can such person be remarried? In case of divorce, sorry. Can such person be remarried? That's of, the first question. Of course, why not? And the second part says, we're told that divorcees will not make heaven. It's not true. Unless he or she is remarried. Then the Bible should have said that whosoever marries and does not divorce shall not perish but have everlasting life. <laughs> now I know you know I have taught you that divorce is not God, right? Yes. Divorce is as a result of the hardness. So if you are in an abusive marriage, it means your husband or wife, whoever is abusing the other, has hardened their heart. So in that situation, in that situation, divorce could occur. I would rather not be married than be in a marriage where I am abused emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, financially, academically, eh, traditionally. <laughs> I would rather be alone. Uh, what's the benefit of marriage? Eh? When you're going home, your heart is doing boom. Boom. Say, Father, Father, help me. Father, you're going to your house. No, that's no more your house now. <laughs> you should think of house and be happy. You should, be, you should not be wanting to be anywhere other than your home. Uh, you should be in a hurry to get home. I'm always in a hurry to get home because I miss many privileges. I miss the joy of playing with my children. I miss the joy of my children touching me, scratching my head and making noise all over me. I miss the joy of my wife sitting before me and asking me and making sure I'm fine, giving me all kinds of... I miss all that. I miss the comfort of my home. I'm in a hurry to get back home quickly. And my home is full of joy. Even if there's misunderstanding, it is done in a very civilized way. civilized. Honey, I don't like the way that happened. Oh, I'm sorry. We explain. Okay, sorry. And it's over. It's not a matter you're going home, your heart is doing characteristics of living things. Characteristics of living things. <laughs> are you going home or are you going for disco dancing? Let's go dancing. Ooh, la, la, la. <laughs> Never stay in an abusive relationship. Write it in capital letters if you are writing notes. Never stay in an abusive relationship. Never. Once you are abused in a marriage, it's no more marriage. It is called persecution in the Bible. You are no more in a marriage. You are in a persecution. And what did Jesus say about persecution? He said if you are in a city where you are persecuted, flee. So if for the preaching of the gospel, which Jesus died for, he asks you to flee. Is it marriage that has no heavenly value that you will stay and die? 
What about remarriage? Brother Paul say it's better to marry than to born. In First Corinthians, it's better to marry than to born. And he was talking to people that are already separated. So once your marriage is no more working and two of you have quitted, start looking for the person you're going to marry and have peace with. Why? Because it's better to marry somebody than to start sleeping around. Or than to stay with desire that allows too many temptations. You start jumping and jumping temptation, and you're even no more organized because you are now struggling to avoid fornication. I mean, fornication, avoid adultery. You're not thinking. You can't even fulfill the purpose of God for your life. So instead of all that unnecessary battle, pick one fine sister that looks like home for you, marry her, and serve the purpose of God. Is it clear? Don't let religion mess you up. Don't let religion. It's better to marry than to born. The people Paul was talking to are people that are already separated in marriage. Does God hate divorce? Yes. But divorce happens within human beings. And human beings are not God. In all human institutions, once God creates something and gives human beings to manage it, it will always have problems because human beings are imperfect. Are we clear? The reason why I'm hammering is because this divorce, remarriage issue is a big deal because pastors have refused to teach it well. So when you bring it up, it's like a sore because people have refused to teach it well. I have a book, Understanding Marriage, Relationships, and Family Life. And I dealt with divorce in that book and remarriage with scriptures. If you get it, it will help you. But once you divorce, for whatever reason. Okay, let's begin from here. You know that marriage is cultural. There's no Christian marriage. Eh? There's no Christian marriage. Marriage is cultural. That's why no pastor can carry a man and a woman and join. No pastor can do that. A boy will have to go to a girl and the girl will take him to her parents. And her parents will bring traditional list because marriage is cultural. Then when he has supplied the things, the father will hand the lady over to him. Once that has happened, marriage has happened. It's not in church marriage happens. It's in your family house where the father say, okay, since you have met the requirements of the family and the village, we hand over our daughter to you. Once that has happened, you're married. In fact, let me be honest. If you like, you don't even have to come to church. Do you know what we are doing? We are doing two traditional marriages. White wedding is a traditional marriage. Because white wedding is American culture. That's their own traditional marriage. So you do traditional marriage, then you come and do traditional marriage. What thing they do you now? Are you doing addition by subtraction? You should be doing addition by multiplication. I think I'm teaching good, right? Why are you wasting money? Why are you wasting money? In fact, if you like, in your family house where they will pay dowry, you can invite your pastor. So that once the dowry is paid, your father hand you over to your husband, your pastor will pray his blessing. Honeymoon! 
Then when you come back, you come to church on Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Two weeks ago, we had our wedding. And daddy was there to bless us. We just want to thank God for his mercy. You drop an offering and sit down. That's how you have announced yourselves that you are married. Stop wasting money. Invest. So you can secure a better future. If I'm teaching good, say I hear you. Now, so since marriage is cultural, eh? Okay, listen carefully. There's no Christian marriage, but there are Christians in marriage. There's no Christian marriage, but there are Christians in marriage. Just like there's no Christian business, but there are Christians in business. So what the Bible teaches us is how to conduct ourselves in those institutions. Because you can't say because somebody is an atheist, his marriage is not recognized. You can't say because somebody is an unbeliever, his marriage is not correct. Marriage is marriage. So since marriage is cultural, it's cultural, it therefore means that a marriage can be dissolved culturally. Because it was established culturally. So it can be dissolved because once you are married to somebody and two of you cannot agree and there's conflict and there's problem and the parents begin to talk to the other parents and the parents decide that okay for better things let's close this marriage and the other parents bring the dowry and give back to the parents marriage don't bafuka it means both of you are free from the law of marriage and when you are free from the law of marriage what do you do you are free to remarry Is it clear? Yes, However, God does not like divorce. So a child of God will do everything within his ability not to divorce. But there are things that are beyond your ability. Are we clear? Yes, Thank you, sir. Not everything in the Bible is for our consumption. Yes. How do we differentiate the ones for our consumption, sir? Through a proper pastor teaching you. That's why you need a pastor. The job of the pastor is to rightly divide. Remove the one that is not for you. Give you the one that is for you. Sir, how was Christ created? Of course, it's a good question. How was Christ created and the word became flesh? The word became flesh. Hail Mary, thou art highly favored. You shall bring forth a baby. He shall be called the son of the highest. How can these things be? Seeing I know not a man. The power of the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you. The power of the Most High shall come upon you. And that holy thing shall be born. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the word became flesh. That's how he was created. Sir, at the fall of man, Eve told the devil who deceived her and she sinned. My question is, if sin came from a product of our lust and desire, temptations, then did the devil deceive Adam and Eve? Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived because Eve didn't know what God told Adam. 
God spoke to Adam expecting Adam to tell Eve what God has told her. But Adam failed in his duty as a pastor of his house. That's why a woman should not marry a husband that does not know the word of God. If not, you will be a headless wife. Because the headship of a husband begins from his spiritual authority, which is teaching you the word of God. That's where it begins. So Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. And the deception was in making Eve doubt the word of God. But for Adam, he chose to disobey God, having known what God said. So that's why Adam knew what he was doing. Adam made a deliberate choice to reject God. That's the fall. That desire not to obey God in Adam is what we call the fall. That's the desire. The desire to disobey God. Just like you tell your child, don't touch that thing. And then that is when the child wants to touch it to disobey you. It's a desire. Is it clear? Yes. yes. Next question. Thank you, sir. Does man have the capacity to interrupt God's plan? If yes, how? Yes, man has the capacity. How? By disobedience. Why? God is not a tyrant. God doesn't hold you to the neck. You must do it. You must do it. That's not God. To do that is witchcraft. God is love. And love does not insist on its own. So God gives you the freedom to decide. And even when you get in trouble because he's a loving father, he looks for how to bring you out. So yes, man can say no to the plan of God. Man can say no. But the only thing is that if you reject the plan of God, you will suffer. Because it means you will walk in the plan of Satan. And Satan is a bad, bad man. You know, it's a bad person. It's an evil person. Okay, so to reject God is to accept Satan. Thank you very much, sir. Yep. The question here is, where is the deep? Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3. The Spirit of God moved upon the surface of the deep. And it is the same deep that Paul... Is it the same deep that Paul was talking about? No, you don't cross carpet scriptures. It's not the same. The deep there is just talking about the heart of man. There was darkness in the heart of man. But the spirit of God was moving to bring conviction. And then God said, Christ be. And Christ showed up as the light. Waiting for that heart to open up for Christ to come in. So the first three verses of Genesis is the salvation plan of God. Then from chapter, from verse 4 is creation and the laws that govern the universe. Is it clear? Yes. Is it clear? Thank you, sir. The ability to think evil, is it not part of God's creation in man? Well, he gave you the ability to think generally and not to think evil only. Now it is left for you to control what you are thinking. So if you want to think evil, just know that in thinking evil, evil will come. And if you want to think good, know that in thinking good, good will come. That's why I say I said before you life and death, blessing and causing the choice is yours. So that's why you have the ability to control your thoughts. Say, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he gives you the ability to decide what to think. And he tells you the outcome of the different things you will think. 
So you decide, and it will not force you. Thank you, sir. This is from our online audience. I, I believe the person is responding to what you said about marriage. He said, okay. with the note that marriage is cultural, yes. and culture permits multiple partners, yes. is it also recognized in Christianity? Well, it is not recognized in Christianity, but because, you see, it's not every culture that Christianity recognizes. It's not every culture. Okay? Multiple partners is cultural. But there are even cultures that don't allow multiple partners. It's not every culture that allows multiple partners. So, you can't generalize. But in Christianity, God already showed you the, mod the module. Male and female created them. Husband and wife. Okay? To even take care of one wife is enough wahala. Why do you want to die young? Why do you want to die young? One woman is a full-time ministry. One. <laughs> you know, women, women are, they are wonderful. If you want to know the wonders of God, just think about a woman. Women are wonderful. They are very complex. Very complex. Women are so complex. The way God created women, very complex. They are deep. They are complex. Don't take any woman for granted. They are not as easy as they look. No, I'm serious. A woman can just make a little twist and confuse you for the next one month. You will worship, you will praise, you will do thanksgiving, you will not be able to arrive. I worship you. Praising the Lord always. We give thanks with a grateful heart. In the name of Jesus, Father, reveal to me what to do about this woman. Father, reveal to me what to do about this woman. She'll just be carrying face for you. You know, I have a guy who used to be my friend, divorced his first wife, divorced his second wife, then married the third wife. I told you people the story. I showed you guys. So, when he married the third wife, he married a white woman. Okay? One day I went to Maryland. He came to hang out with me. And he said, Dr. Damina, this my wife is wicked. I said, ah, after two, after two, the third one is still wicked. He said, in fact, I prefer the first one. I don't know how to get back. <laughs> I don't know how to get back. I said, unfortunately, she has married another person. He said, oh, I'm in trouble. I said, why is she wicked now? Now you boy, you marry now. He said, huh, Dr. Damina, this woman, anything I want, she will even support me. If she find me on a bed, on a bed with another woman, she will make tea for us. If I leave house and I don't come back, she will not worry. Anytime I come, she will prepare water for me to bath. While I'm bathing, she will prepare breakfast. Welcome. I hope you're okay. No quarrel, nothing. Anything I want, have. He said, that woman is wicked. <laughs> Are you here? He said, that woman is wicked. Now watch. 
the first two wives he didn't have children with them but this white woman gave him two children with all of that she gave him children then one day this white woman just stood up and said it's been a nice time living with you I've decided to leave you can have the children have everything I'm going and I'm going for good goodbye the man knelt down cried begged her called his friends everybody begged the woman said I'm gone for good the woman left till today doesn't know where she is she just left him complex women are complex and if you have a wife that is always quarreling be thankful every time she starts say, just, 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 say thank you Jesus <laughs> thank you Jesus thank <laughs> because when women they quiet you do bad it just quiet they look you you do them it they look you what she is planning for you the day it will arrive this planet cannot contain you. But every time they speak out like that, whether angrily or something, they are freeing themselves. And then husbands that don't understand say, hold this currently, hold this currently. Why she is quarreling, prepare tea for her. Tea and biscuit. Tell her, darling, sorry, eh? just cool off, cool off. You don't walk. <laughs> Am I communicating at all? Yeah. Women, you know what I'm talking about, right? Is it true? Yeah. See, let them, let them vent out. And don't take it personal. Because if you stop them talking to you, they will talk to the wrong people. Let them speak out. And that's why the, the, the key to an anointed marriage is communication. Make sure you're always talking. Make sure she's always talking. And make sure you two are always talking. Carry along. Let her know what you are thinking. Let her know what you have. Let her know what you are planning. She'll be able to understand you and be able to flow with you. But when you are mysterious, she should become double mysterious. Then two of you will be doing each other. You look at like this. You go look you like this. So marriage is cultural, but not cultural in the sense that now we have to import all of culture. Cultural in the sense that it is culture that determines when you got married. Because the people you are going to marry your wife from are not Bible people. May not be Bible people. But they, you have to settle them to be able to marry. That's the way it is. It's not in multiplication of partners. Like I said, if a man was married before to three wives and he got born again, we will not ask him to divorce. We will allow him to come with his three wives to church and give them a section because that is church growth. <laughs> but you cannot marry three wives now that you are born again. Because even the word of God in you will tell you it is not right. Is it clear? Yes, Next question. Thank you, sir. If Adam hasn't seen, could there have been salvation? Yes, there will have been salvation. Because the Lamb of God was slain before Adam was created. Meaning that it was God's plan. That Now, salvation in the sense that nobody will be a child of God outside Christ. 
Ephesians chapter 1, 4, 5, 6. That children will be born to God by Christ. So salvation will have been that everybody will come to the knowledge of God through Christ. That will mean that Christ will have to die because except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. The only ability Jesus will have to produce children for God will be through death. So whether Adam sinned or not, Jesus will have still died to produce children for God. However, in the fall of Adam was only catered for within the plan of God that even in his fall, the plan of God will still be fulfilled. And through that fulfilling of God's plan, the fall of Adam will be remedied. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he will have still have to die to bring sons unto glory. Thank you very much, sir. This is the last question for now. How could Lucifer have the ability to think rebellion against God's creation? That's man. Because angels are free moral agents. That's why angels will be judged. We will judge them because they will make choices that are not correct. Because God gave them the freedom to choose. That is why angels fail. One third of the angels fell in rebellion because they have the freedom to choose their destination. Angels are not robots. They have freedom to choose. So that's why we will judge angels. First Corinthians 6.2 Know ye not that you shall judge the angels. Why will we judge angels? Because angels were created to serve us. So we will judge them. Are you understanding? You shall judge the angels. Are you blessed? Are your questions clear? Praise God. Glory! Glory. Help me reach out to some people in Bielsa. Tell them not to miss tomorrow's service. 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. You know we love you guys. Always a joy to serve you the grace of God. Let me take up your offerings before we leave. You have a good offering. Let's give in honor of the word. Let's give to support the conference. Let's give to support Pastor Daddy Ken and this house. So that the work of God can be carried out without obstruction. We give with joy and we give with excitement. Online, if you're watching online, help us share the videos and give, give to this ministry. The offerings are on the screen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for the privilege to give. We give with joy. We give in faith. And we thank you for everyone in this congregation. Light is breaking forth. Ministers of the gospel are being challenged, grounded, established, provoked to do the work like never before. And we rejoice that ministry in Bielsa continues to flourish. The, the work of God prospers. Men are coming to the knowledge of the truth. And as we give, every need is met desires are granted. Thank you that our offering is a sweet smell before you today. In Jesus' precious name and every believer says a powerful amen. Amen. Hit it, let's do it as we give this morning. Glory to God.